0: Teal Talk Radio, Season 6, Episode 10. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 10 of Teal Talk Radio. I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton.
1: And I'm Randy Zickenfoos Today, we're speaking with Zach Jones, director of Dual School and author of the book, The World Changers Handbook, A Young Person's Guide to Creating an Impactful Life. I love that word, impactful. You may recall that we spoke to Zach on an earlier TL Talk radio episode when we spoke with him and Megan Chen, a learner from dual school, and most recently on the Shift Your Paradigm podcast when we featured a conversation with Zach about dual school and learner-centered education. Zach is a graduate of Horn Entrepreneurship at University of Delaware, and he's passionate about helping young people activate their potential by taking action on their ideas.
0: Welcome back to the podcast, Zach. Zach.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: So let's start the conversation with a personal story about how you got so passionate about inspiring young adults to impact their world.
2: This journey for me starts back in um, sophomore year of high school. I was uh, a sports kid, played sports every season of high school. Um, I've been playing basketball since I was three years old. <laughs> wow. And I, there's, a, there's a little, there's a picture of baby Zach on like the old Boston Celtics court, um, which kind of, you know, takes us all the way back. So I've been playing basketball for years and years. Sophomore year of high school, um, my second year on the junior varsity team, and I, I was a pretty academic kid. I memorized the plays and I did I did well with you know, memorizing things, knowing, knowing the information. My teammates, not so much. So we're in the midst of running this play. I have my job. I do my job. And everybody else just runs around, doesn't do their job. Um, <laughs> but I, I did what I needed to do. So I kind of sat back and I was okay. Um, and then my coach came up to me. And he was like, Zach, you're, you're a leader on this team. If you know the plays and they don't know the plays, it's your responsibility to help them understand the plays. I didn't understand that I had any role beyond myself, I think, before that conversation. That conversation really changed the way that I saw my role as a team member on the basketball team. Um, but I think as just a person in the world and in my life, um, after you know, I I used to show up. If my shots went in, they went in. If they didn't go in, they didn't go in. Um, but after I kind of started to step into that leadership role, I realized that you know I could have a very successful night and score zero points, um, which was not at all on my radar before. And it's it's really because I happen to have a phenomenal coach who tapped me on the shoulder at the right time and gave me a little push in the right direction. Um, and that I think started this momentum, this story, this path of all, all, all the other things that I've done since then started there. So my inspiration for, for working with young people is to be that coach that pokes them on the shoulder and gives them a little push in the right direction, knowing that once they do it once, they're going to do it again and again and again. It's just going to get better and better every time.
1: I always love hearing about stories like that from from individuals' lives that, uh, you know, it's that pivotal moment where there was that significant adult that decided to have a conversation with you, and it basically changed the trajectory of your life, probably. Um, And so how do we, how, what advice do you have for us as educators? How do we do that more? How do we How do we become aware of that opportunity and sort of design those opportunities in which we can inspire young people to rise above the average and and change the world like they're doing in uh, dual school?
2: Yeah, I I I think for me, this one starts with the fundamental belief that every kid has a spark. That, like there's something that would inspire or light up like every single person and every single student learner in a school. Um, and when we work with young people, it's I'm trying to find what that thing is. Like what is that spark that really would get them to, to work hard and push towards some sort of goal? Maybe it's working with maybe it's working with younger kids. Maybe it's producing a song and, and making a YouTube video maybe it's launching an afterschool program, maybe it's social activism. Um, you know, I think everybody has that spark and as educators, as leaders, as facilitators, um, our goal is to first identify that spark and then find ways to nurture it. Um, so in some of our programs, we have – we have kids who have sparks that don't fit the mold of what we're trying to do. (laughs) And then the challenge is, okay, well, this student's really interested in, you know, taking pictures. Um, That's not really like right now, what we need to do is we need to schedule a visit to the art museum. Um, Taking pictures isn't really going to help us, but like, how can we reframe that interest and like get them ready and get maybe maybe their job is now to create a shot list of what all the pictures are going to take when we get to the museum. Um, so it takes it. I mean, it takes that personalization. It takes that flexibility to really see like what is it that you care about that would get you really excited to come in tomorrow, um, and then how can we create an opportunity for you to do that? Um, so I think you know, and then and then the goal is always for them not just to do it, but to do it and get feedback and do it better. To first inspire somebody, you need to understand them Mm -hmm. and see where that spark is. And then you can nurture it and hopefully it grows.
0: So several years ago, we developed uh, with our community a profile of a graduate and embedded in that profile are knowledge, skills, and dispositions. And one of the things we'd like our students to think about is entrepreneurism or becoming more entrepreneurial. What advice would you give um, to our teachers and us as leaders to help our learners be more entrepreneurial?
2: Um, so I think entrepreneurship to me is, well, it can be an intimidating word for people. It's like, oh, I, I'm not a business person. I don't want to do entrepreneurship. I don't, I'm not really interested in that. Um, so a helpful reframe sometimes is just around, you know, we need young people who are creating value. And all entrepreneurship is, is creating value. And then, capturing some of that value by charging for it in some sort of way um and really the the hard part is creating the value Mm -hmm. um because if it's really valuable charging for it won't be that hard Mm -hmm. because people want it and they need it um so sometimes when we can you know not focus on, on the money in the business right away and focus just on the value creation. Um, we turn this like big hairy word of entrepreneurship into a very human interaction of, you know, you're really passionate about serving English language learners. What value can you create for them? Um, and maybe that value is, you're creating some sort of workshop for teachers. Maybe that value is you're creating an after-school program or a mentoring group or a support group. Once you create that value and have that traction, the business part and the money part can kind of follow from there. Um, but really, I think, I, th- I think the advice would be to, to think about what is the value you can create. Think about what are the problems you can solve What can you really bring to the world that would be helpful to other people? Mm -hmm. Um, One of our students, like the value that the value he created was he would bake baked goods and bring them to school and he (laughs) would sell, you know, we, I talked to him recently and I was like, so how much money have you made? And he was like, I probably sold about $5,000 worth of (laughs) in one and a half years of school. Oh my goodness. And you know he he it was not complicated. He identified a need that people would pay a dollar for a brownie, mm-hmm. and then they knew he was going to. I know show I up.
0: would. <laughs> so that's really interesting advice. Um, start with reframing the question. So what's the value? And and it does make it less scary. And you know, it's sort of, I'm connecting to start with the why, like why do people need this? What's your interest and what can you provide for them? And, and why is it important and why would they be willing to pay? And um, your stories sort of exemplify that idea that it's it's actually very accessible and the money and the pitch and the business side of it is secondary after you figure out the value.
2: Another conversation we had with a young person recently Um, she has started leading advocacy workshops in the community, um, basically teaching other young people how, how, how does change happen in the government? Like, how do you pass a bill? Like, what does it mean to advocate for some sort of change? Um, and she's leading workshops, leading workshops, leading workshops. And it's now that she's a good facilitator and her name is out there, it's a very short path between that and then getting paid to lead the workshop. Right now, she's doing it kind of volunteer, pro bono, as part of her um, a fellowship program she's in. But she can provide the value, and it's clear that there's a, a need being met. Um, and to take that next step is just a logical a logical um, piece of the puzzle. Is now it's just a day Robertson as the workshop facilitator, and here's your rate, and we would love to have you in. Mm-hmm.
1: So in your book, The World Changers Handbook, you say smart people call disadvantages design decisions. Share with our listeners what you mean by that and why it's
2: important. The hard, One of the hardest things to do is start from a blank page and have a million different opportunities and options. Um, de- you know, it depends how you frame it. So you could call it a constraint um, that you are working out of a, a co-working space um, in the city as as we are with dual school. We're working out of a co-working space. It's a, it's a, in a business building. It's very different. Um, but we try to frame that as more of a design decision that, look, we're getting students out of their normal environment. We're getting them into this thing that doesn't feel like school and makes them feel like, you know, they're important, they're adults, they're in this business environment. Um but in all honesty, like we don't have any tables in the room. <laughs> so that could certainly be a disadvantage when we're doing certain types of work. But we, fr- we like we, we, reframe that as like, this is a design decision. We want kids sitting on couches, feeling comfortable and feeling like they're in a different type of space where they can really self-direct um, and be adults and work alongside other adults. Um, so... You know, unless you have unlimited money and unlimited time, you're going to have some constraints, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's it's not helping to feel like you're just constantly rubbing up against those constraints. Um, I was reading uh, this the book "Designing Your Life" by um, a couple of professors at Stanford in the Design School, and they call they 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 coin this term of like there's a certain class of problem that are gravity problems. It's like if, if the problem that you're up against is that I can't fly because gravity exists, that's a gra- you, know, you can't solve that one. You got to let that one go. That is a constraint. You accept it and you do your best with what you have. Um, so, you, so it's important to kind of recognize which constraints are worth trying to bust through and which ones you accept and start to frame them as design decisions that end up helping your initiative in the end.
0: Interesting idea, design decisions, and appreciate sort of just acceptance of those um, items you cannot change and sort of instead of letting them be roadblockers, just it is what it is. (laughs) So let's um, shift to your idea about um, the problem with giving the advice of follow your passion. Instead of that, how can teachers help learners uncover or identify work that's important to them?
2: Yeah. So that there, there, there's a few different things that are wrong with that advice. One, most people don't know what their passion is. Um, so it's not helpful to um, most people don't have one passion. So to say like, follow your passion as if it's some singular thing that is unchanging um, is it doesn't actually jive with reality that you really like surfing, but you also like teaching people, but you also like sports and leadership and learning and reading. Like, Passion is a many, you know, a many-sided being. Um, I think some some more, more helpful questions to think about um, is like, where can you best contribute to the world? Like, based on your skill set, your ability, um, and your experience, like, how can you best contribute to the world? Um, I, I I love to make tacos for myself at night, but my best contribution to the world is not to open a taco restaurant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, that is something that I would, I would say I'm somewhat passionate about cooking, but I wouldn't, you know, I'm not the person who should be feeding many people. Um, So it's important to recognize like, what are the things that are really unique and how you can best contribute to the world? And what are the things that, you know, you love to do, but they might not lead you to, um, some sort of some work or venture that is very purposeful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the, the second one I think is, is really important about is to think about audience um, and this question of who do you want to serve with your work? Um, so, so one of the things I write about in the book is this idea um, from, from Phil McKiernan about your gift and your gift. He, he asserts is that your gift is to, to relieve the pain that a younger version of yourself felt, um, which is a really interesting concept because when I think about you know, the pain that I felt was that I, I did feel kind of purposeless, passionless. I was for, for years in college trying to define my passion and purpose in like three words. And like one day I thought I had it. And then I told a friend and they're like, that's not it.
0: Thank goodness for that, friend.
2: (laughs) So, you know, when everything started working um, a lot better for me, when I stopped trying to define it and started thinking about like the audience that really mattered to me. And that audience was young people who felt like they weren't really sure what to do with their lives. Um, So, that was the problem I faced and struggled with. And now that is the problem that I work really hard to help other people overcome.
1: So when we're wrapping up the podcast, we've asked our guests uh, a series of three quick response questions. And so the first one, Zach, is who's one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about young adults making a difference in the world?
2: On my desk here, I've got a magazine from Ashoka. I think Ashoka is one of the best in the world at um, you know, cultivating social entrepreneurs and social entrepreneurship. They have many different arms and branches to what they do. There's university stuff. There's there's adult stuff. There is youth Ashoka Youth Venture, um, and I'm I'm constantly impressed by everything that Ashoka puts out. And everybody I've ever met from there has been very impressive. Um, so look into Ashoka. See if you can connect with somebody from there, um, and. I actually, you know, I could send a link. They have a series of YouTube videos that are like 2 or 3 minute videos specifically about young people who are making a difference on um important social issues of our time.
1: Great. Yeah, we'll send those along and we'll make sure they appear in the show notes. How about a book? If you were recommending one book to our listeners, what would it be?
2: I would say um I I I haven't even finished, but I started Designing Your Life. Um, again, I th- it, it, it's Bill Burnett and it's, um, I think Dave Evans is the other author, both professors at Stanford that teach a wildly popular course called Designing Your Life. And if you're interested in passion and purpose and, and kind of what it looks like to think about a, a future life or career, I think it they have a very impressive process. Um so designing your life is, you know, I think a must read, especially if, if this topic is interesting around like what, how to find a career or a passion um, or a path. Um, I would also say, I just learned that this was possible, but I have with your library card, if you have a li- library card at your local library and they participate, you can download an app called Libby, which has eBooks and audiobooks, and you can put, you can you know you can borrow audiobooks through the app and listen to them there um so i had had designing your life on hold for a few weeks it came available and i just started listening to it and you can you can you can really get a lot of content in a short amount of time if you're on a flight if you're driving to work wherever it may be and it's all completely free with your library card so i've never heard anybody give that advice until fr- a friend told me a few weeks ago and now i'm like an evangelist i need to get that out there i'm
0: a big fan in in pennsylvania our local libraries will allow you to access um the philadelphia library which has so much more than our local libraries so through overdrive or libby i can check out anything in um from the philadelphia library too which is pretty amazing
2: amazing yeah it just makes it so so much more accessible and, and easy to easy to go Mm before. So
1: now the advice is on our podcast. Thanks for sharing that. And the last of our trilogy of questions here, how do you keep learning, uh, Zach? What sort of resources do you access to keep yourself uh, on the edge of this work that you're doing?
2: Um, So my preferred... Like method of content consumption is through email newsletter, um, so I, you know I subscribe to a variety of newsletters in the education space, a variety of newsletters in like the tech entrepreneurship space, and then a bunch of newsletters from from friends um, who are who are also just young people in all parts of the country and the world who are doing really interesting work um so you know on any given day it could be articles about um you know commodity prices in 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 the oil world or it could be about um great articles about learner centered education through education reimagines newsletter or it could be about the most recent product launch um of like Amazon recently released glasses and a ring that put Alexa oh, in Oh, I your, didn't see
0: the ring.
2: Yeah, the Amazon has the Amazon ring, which is like, hey, Alexa. What does
0: that look like? Oh, I have to check that out.
2: <laughs> right? So yeah, so I think it's-
0: <laughs> Alexa, start my car. <laughs>
1: okay. There's Alexa here in the office, so now it's going to start talking to her.
2: <laughs> look, it's talking. Careful. So, so I think- Stay, staying up with, um, you know, ProductHunt.com is, is like the tech outlet where a lot of, a lot of tech products launch, um, and staying up with kind of that, that Silicon Valley lens, just because there's some innovation happening really quickly. Some of it's kind of silly, like foldable smartphones and some of it's really interesting. Um, so, you know, getting in a variety of different perspectives, both on the local level, um, and the national level help me continue to learn. So I'm spending, you know, probably an hour a day reading, not, you know, friend to person to person email, but email newsletter and the and the articles li- linked in there. And also podcasts. Podcast I can't I can't believe I forgot to say podcast while we're on a podcast. But I also listen to probably an hour or two of podcasts every day. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing those resources. I'm definitely going to look to see at least to see what the Alexa ring looks like. (laughs) I I don't know if it's going to, it's going to compliment my jewelry.
2: (laughs) They also have glasses. I saw the
0: glasses and read some things about the glasses, but not the ring.
2: Hmm. Hmm. Very weird.
0: Before we wrap up, Zach, what's next for you? What are you working on that you'd like to share with our listeners?
2: Ooh, great question. Um, I mean, most of my energy right now is spent, uh, being the executive director of dual school. We are a nonprofit based in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, I have a staff of three at this point. Um, so, you know, we are working on expanding our footprint, doing some fundraising and, defining who we are as an organization and what we want to what we want to be going forward um so that that's you know all all of my creative energy goes into solving a bunch of interesting problems around how we help young people um achieve and ignite that spark that makes them want to keep learning and keep doing and keep contributing um to their communities in a positive way
0: great well thank you so much for joining us zach we appreciate learning with you again and we'll check out some of the Some of these resources Um, for our listeners, lots of resources linked in the show notes, including um, a season five, episode 31, where Zach appeared with Megan Chen, a young learner, and we heard about Megan's project. Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking reflection and conversation. This episode's question, how might you inspire the young adults in your life to positively and meaningfully impact their world? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at TLTalkRadio.org and look for Season 6, Episode 10. That's all for this episode. We'll be back next week with another conversation featuring other innovative thought leaders. Thanks again, Zach.
2: Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Zach. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.